that. I like that. Amen? Is that all right? To, that I'm glad somebody's inventing something out there. So, uh, but I just wanted to share that with you. I do have a word for you today. I, uh, it's been a challenging week for me today, but I, it, it, this is my last message in this series. And um, in the Not Today Satan series, and it's called Devil, You Can't Have My Vineyard. And of any of the messages that I'm going to preach along this series, this probably is going to give me the opportunity to share my heart um, more than any of the other ones. So I just want you to stick with me today, and we're so glad you're here. Welcome, everybody. Uh, and if you will, stand to your feet for the reading of God's Word. Amen. And we'll get through this. God's going to help us today. Amen. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. Everybody just say this to me. Say, devil, you can't have my vineyard. Man, I just, I, I'm telling you, I'm going somewhere with this today, and we're going to, I can't wait to get here. 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 1 through 4. 1 Kings 21, 1 through 4. You'll see it on the screen. Uh, and if you're online, you can check it out. If you've got you version, you can pull those up now. 1 Kings 21, 1 through 4 says, Now it came about after these things that Naboth, everybody say Naboth, Naboth. the Jezreelite had a vineyard which was in Jezreel beside the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. Ahab spoke to Naboth, saying, I want you to notice some of the underlines that I have on the screen for you. Give me. Everybody say, give me. That's what the devil wants you to do. Give up your vineyard. Give me your vineyard that I may have it for a vegetable garden because it's close beside my house. And I will give you a better vineyard than it in its place. If you don't want to give it, trade me. Give you the price of it. I don't know what's going on. I will give you the price of it in money. If you don't want to give it to me, you won't trade me, then sell it to me. But Naboth said to Ahab, the Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my fathers. So Ahab came into his house, sullen and vexed because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him. For he said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. And he lay down on his bed and turned away his face and ate no food. He, he pouted like a five-year-old when he didn't get what he wanted. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so very much for your word. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for the beautiful Beautiful praise and worship. What an opportunity we have to come in here and celebrate the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And now, God, for the next few moments, strengthen me. Anoint me to speak forth your word, not in word and tongue only, but also in power and in deed. Let this seed fall in the good soil of our hearts and grow and bear forth fruit in our lives. God, I'm asking you, God, to speak not one word of my own, but every word from the throne of God into our hearts. God, let this word come forth in power. Let it come forth and resonate. Let it be planted. Let it grow and let it prosper in us. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Hold your Bibles up in whatever form you have, whether it's a phone or whether it's a, a paper Bible. And let's boldly Thank you. Heavenly Father, today, this week, by your grace, I'm going to be a doer of your word and not a hearer only, deceiving my own self. Now, Lord, anoint my ears, anoint my heart, anoint my spirit, my soul, my mind, and my body to receive the truth of your word. In Christ's name I pray, amen, amen. If you're feeling well, high five somebody and tell them 
Devil, you can't have my vineyard. Careful who you say that to. <laughs> Several years ago in Long Beach, California, many, many years ago, a fellow went into a chicken, fried chicken place and he got him a couple of chicken dinners for him and his date. They're going to go out on a picnic. They ordered their food. The young woman at the register mistakenly gave her a paper, gave him a paper bag full of the day's proceeds versus the chicken dinners. So they grabbed that paper satchel and they went on, got in a car, drove some little distance away to their picnic area, sat down, opened their bag, eat their chicken dinners, and whoa, there was over $800 there. Now this is many years ago, which was a lot of money. Well, this guy was no ordinary guy. He put the money in the bag. He said, man, we're going back. Got in the car, him and his date. They drove back to the place, walked in the door. By the time he did, he could tell that the manager and everybody was frantic. What are they going to do with all the money gone? He walked over. He said, excuse me, sir. He said, uh, I came in here and ordered a couple of chicken dinners. And Mr. Clean said, here, we opened the bag, and here's all this money. This doesn't belong to us. It belongs to you. Well, of course, the manager was just taken back. He was so blown away at the honesty of this man. He was so thankful. He said, I'll tell you what. He said, I'm going to call the newspaper. This is before there were cell phones and Internet and all these kind of things. He said, I'm going to call the newspaper. We're going to have them come out and photograph you and put your picture in the paper. And the man said, no, don't do that. He said, why not? And the man leaned over. He said, because this woman ain't my wife. Somebody else's wife. <laughs> he had integrity with cash, but not with the other part of his life, right? 1 Kings 16, 30-31 says this, Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. So every king that you read before, Ahab, up to this point, as evil as they were, they were not any worse. This guy was head and tails more evil than all the rest. It came about as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he married Jezebel, the daughter of Esbel, king of the Sidonians, and went to serve Baal and worshipped him. Now, Esbel means with Baal, so he married someone whose daddy names with Baal. He's connected with a foreign god, with an idol god, worshiping an idol god. And his wife's name, Jezebel, means Baal exalts or Baal is husband to. So he's connecting himself to people that want nothing to do with God. He's connecting himself with people that have no covenant with God. They have no idea what it's like to be in church. They're not raised in church. They don't know the Bible. They don't want to know anything about Christianity. And he's aligning himself with these types of people. Be careful who you align yourself with. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, I can still hear my mom say it to me over and over and over. Son, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts what? Good morals. If you hang around people who gossip and slander and run everybody down all the time, guess what? You're going to start gossiping and slandering and running others down all the time. If you hang around people that are constantly out partying and carousing and getting into drunken stupors and sleeping around and partying and all these things, guess what? It's a matter of time before you start doing the very same thing. I remember when I first came to Christ, man, I was... 
I, I just, I, well, I can't say when I first came to Christ, but when I came back to God, I was about 17. I thought, man, I'm going to win all my friends to the Lord. I'm going to keep going to the same places that we used to go. I'm going to keep doing the same things that I used to do, and I'm going to win them over. Well, within two weeks, I was a worse devil than I was from two weeks earlier. I was bad, bad, bad. It was awful. And then I kept kind of sputtering around, and then I realized I'm not going to go anywhere. I, I really thought I'd wind up in prison or dead if I didn't make a change in my life. And I knew that all my friends were not going to be the route to do that with. I was the kind of guy that on Tuesday night I would go with my friends to the pool hall and I was a pretty good shark and I could hustle people for drinks all night and not have to pay. I, I could do all kinds of stuff. I knew how to go to bars and whatever and play and hustle people out of money, hustle them out of booze, whatever. And my friends loved it. It was always a great time, and it was always something going on. I can remember so many times a fell in my car smoking dope so bad, it looked like Cheech and Chong when you opened the door. Poof, smoke piling out. I'm not making light of this. I'm not saying this is a good thing. I'm just telling you where I was. And I can remember thinking, you've got to do something different here. But my friends kept drawing me. So for some reason, I just decided when I came back to the Lord one time, I said, Lord, this is it. I cannot be a Christian. I don't even think I can stay alive and keep doing the same things I'm doing. I'm not going anywhere, and I'm going nowhere fast. So, Lord, here's what I want you to do. I don't have the strength to remove the wrong crowd from myself. So I ask you, Lord, to get anybody in my life out of my life that's going to take me away from you. And I ask you to give me two friends, put them in my life that will help me to walk with you and help me through this time in my life where I'm struggling. From that moment, I had friends that I had shot pool with, drank with, partied with five days a week. And from that moment on to this day right now, I don't know how many of them I've never seen their face again from that prayer to this day. God completely removed them out of my life. He gave me two really good friends who not only helped me, they would take me to church. On a Friday night, I'd say, man, I've just had a tough week. God will understand. I'm going to go get drunk. And they say, okay, get in the car. And I think, man, well, all right, we're going to go get some booze. And they drive to the church because one of them had the keys. And they turn on the prayer music. And they say, we're going to pray you through. And I say, I don't want to pray through. They say, well, you're going to pray through. And they were much bigger guys than I was. So I just was stuck there. But you know what? It was in one of them Friday night meetings that I was walking around against my will praying in the church house, wishing that I would got drunk, that all of a sudden I started hearing myself praying another language that I didn't even know what it was. All of a sudden, my buddies come behind me, and they were like, is that praying in tongues? I said, I don't know, but it's not English, so I'm not sure what's going on. I'm telling you, sometimes you need the right company in your life. Somebody say amen. Is it hard to preach that way? I know that some of y'all are new here. You thought when you looked up here that I was a choir boy all my life. I know you did, but let me just, I don't want to bust your bubble too bad. But let me just tell you, God is a delivering God, and we need to be careful with the company we keep. Ahab had no desire to do things the right way. As a matter of fact, Together, Ahab and Jezebel began to kill the prophets of God. They exalted the prophets of Baal and Ashtaroth. They were wicked in everything they said and everything they did. They were cunning. They were conniving. They were a murderous group of people. They would stop at nothing to get whatever they wanted. If it meant killing you, if it meant killing your whole family, your whole lineage, stealing, plundering, it didn't matter. Ahab and Jezebel would do whatever it is. 
Well, one day Ahab wakes up, looks out over his palace wall, and he says, you know what? I think I'd like to have that vineyard right there. He says, I think I want Naboth's vineyard. Interestingly enough, Naboth's name means fruits, and vineyard, of course, means a fruitful place. He looks out over the palace walls and he says, I see someone being fruitful in a fruitful place and I think I want it and I want them out. The name Jezreel means God sows or God will sow. So I want you to picture this. God has sowed something amazing. This man is in a fruitful place and he is fruitful and the devil doesn't like it. I want to tell you something. When you get, when we get to our place, wherever it is God has for us. For right now, it's right here. We'll be fruitful wherever God sends us. We'll be fruitful with wherever God has for us in the city, wherever he places us. We will be fruitful, and we will not give up our vineyard to the devil. Someone say amen. Amen. Point number one is this. Don't give in to the devil's demands. Say that with me. Say, don't give in to the devil's demands. Look what 1 Kings 21.2 says. I won't read the whole scripture since we've already read it. But it says, Ahab spoke to Naboth saying, give me. That's what the devil wants. He wants us to give up our vineyard. And I'll explain what vineyard could possibly mean as we go along. He assumed because of his position as king that Naboth would just cower down. That Naboth would just give in and automatically give up without a fight. Well, the king said he wants it. They murder everybody, they're wicked, evil people, so I better just give in to his demands. I want to tell you there are too many Christians that are refusing to enter into a battle with the devil because they think they have got to bow down to his position. They think he's bigger, they think he's stronger, and when he comes, he's just going to get it anyway, so why fight anymore? They felt like that many Christians that they don't even have another option. They just have to take life as it comes. But I tell you, when I read in my Bible, I don't have to take things like anxiety as it comes. I don't have to take things like depression as it comes. I don't have to even take even though I've been sick this week, sickness as it comes. While I'm laying there in faith, I'm saying, get out now in the name of Jesus. You can't stay in this body because this body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you, there's some things that we've got to stand up. Listen, the Bengals are not going to lay down next week and take the Rams' best shot and just say, well, here's the Lombardi trophy. Uh Uh-uh. They're going to get up and they're going to fight for 60 minutes and they're going to play because they've got something that they want. I want to tell you, we We've got to rear our shoulders back, folks. And we've got to say, devil, ah, you ain't taking my vineyard. It's not for sale. I'm not trading it. I'm not giving it away. I'm going to fight for what is mine. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. amen. The devil's the one who can't win, not you. Listen, you're not bound by addictions. You're not destined to be a drunkard your whole life. You're not destined to never get free from that bondage, whatever it is. You can be free. If the devil is telling you you won't be, it's because he knows you can be. That's why he's trying to get you to believe him. Listen, I want to tell you, I know from someone in experience that addictions can seem insurmountable. But let me be the first one standing to tell you, God delivered me from alcoholism. God delivered me from smoking dope. God delivered me from a whole lot of things. In fact, let me just poll some people in here. If you've been delivered from alcoholism, I'd like for you to stand to your feet right now, if you will. I mean, you've been totally and completely delivered. If you've been totally and completely delivered from drugs, stand to your feet 
No, no, keep standing, Pete. We're just going to categorize all of us in here. We've all had bondage. If you've been totally and completely delivered from nicotine, would you stand to your feet? Rob, how long do you smoke? Praise God. How long have you been free? Hallelujah. 34 years smoking cigarettes, 20 years free. Somebody say amen. <laughs> Who's been set free from prescription drugs or any kind of other substance abuse? Anybody in here? Look, look how many people that are standing here right now that will tell you, look, I've been set free. Somebody, can we give God praise? Can we give God praise? Look what God has done for all of us. Ain't God good? Come on, we can do better than that. Come on, give God praise. <laughs> Amen. You may be seated. I have the unique testimony of telling you that I have never legally drank. Somebody shout amen. I drank a lot from 12 to 20, but I've never legally drank. Somebody say amen. I've never given a real ID to buy booze before. Ain't God good? God is so good. I've been free. Man, glory to God, I've been free. Somebody say, I can't get free. Yes, you can. I've been free from the time I was 20. I am now 47. Amen. I'm getting close to 50 now. That means 27 years I haven't had a problem. I don't have an issue. You could bathe me in it, dump it all down my head. I wouldn't want nothing to do with it. Why? Because God has set me free, and God can set you free. Why? God has made you the head and not the tail. He's made you above only and not beneath. He's called you to be the head and and not the tail. Somebody say amen. He's blessed you coming. He's blessed you going. He's blessed you in the city. He's blessed you in the country. He's already given us the victory. We're already more than conquerors. I can't lose with God. Devil, you can't have my vineyard. There are too many Christians giving away their inheritance for some ungodly, fleshly pleasure. There are too many people out there that are giving away a blessed, wonderful marriage for a 20-minute flame. They're giving away their families for a meaningless affair. They're giving away their God-given promises for a cheap substitute. They're giving away their freedom to be controlled by a cheap substitute. I don't know about you, but I'm not going to let my life be controlled by a leaf. I'm not going to let my life be controlled by a cocoa leaf, by a marijuana leaf, by barley or wheat in a bottle, by a tobacco leaf. I will let nothing master my life except for Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. Look, I'm just sharing my heart here today. Is it all right to share that? Is it all right to just preach? Is it all right to say, hey, you know what? God has blessed me with a vineyard, and I don't have to do those kinds of things. I don't have to participate in that kind of stuff. There are too many Christians giving away their inheritance. They're giving away their promised land. They're giving away what God has blessed them with. There are too many people out there giving away the promise for healing, their promise of victory, their promise of provision. I want to tell you, I'm not selling out for no cheap substitute. Don't give the devil your life. Tell him, Delam, I'm not for sale. You can't have my vineyard. Does anybody want to say that? Devil, you can't have my vineyard. 
You can't have my family. You can't have my health. You can't have my sanity. You can't have my peace. You can't have my joy. You cannot have the things that God has promised me. Get out now in Jesus' name. And that leads me to point number two, and that is this. Don't let the devil talk you out of what is yours. Wow. Don't let the devil talk you out of what's yours. 1 Kings 21.2, watch what it says. Look at the underlined part. I will give you a better vineyard than it, than it in its place. In other words, trade it with me. Listen, Ahab offered Naboth, watch this, to remain in the vineyard business as long as he moved away to a different place and it wasn't next door to him. See, his palace walls were here. There was a dry moat and then there was... Naboth's vineyard. I think there is a portion of how Naboth lived and conducted his life that drove Ahab crazy. Have you ever noticed that if you live for God, the people that don't want anything to do with God, you'll drive them crazy? And you'll say, what have I done? I've not done anything. It's not you. It's the God in you they don't like. Satan doesn't really mind, listen, if we stay in business, as long as we trade off for some diluted, less influential brand of Christianity. And there's a modern-day Naboth called the devil that has seen to it that since he can't buy us off or he can't uh, freely, we won't freely give it up, that we'll trade in for a weaker and ineffective Christianity. So now across America in pulpits, you'll hear more preaching about God wants you to drive Mercedes Benz and be a millionaire than righteous living. I want to tell you, we got to get back. One, there's a diluted gospel out there that is focusing on prosperity instead of obedience to the Lord. Well, I want to tell you, I believe God wants to bless you. But I believe first and foremost, God wants you to be obedient to the B-I-B-L-E, the Word of God. Yes, it's the book for me. One that focuses on the goodness of God, but never the holiness that He expects us to live by. There is a diluted, traded off. Listen, you can be in the business if you want. Just don't tell people there's a real hell. Just don't tell people there's freedom. Just don't tell people they can believe for miracles anymore. Just tell them all the stuff they want to here, but don't tell them, hey, God does expect us to live a holy lifestyle. We need to live holy. When the Azusa Street Revival began to draw to an end, one of the greatest revivals this country's ever had. In 1910, they had three prophecies that they said would be in America and in the world in the end of days. One, they said people would praise a God they no longer pray to. Two, they said there would be an overemphasis on power instead of righteous living, righteousness. In other words, it was going to be all about what the power of God could do, but people no longer wanting to live right before a holy God. And then thirdly, an overemphasis on the gifts of the Spirit rather than the Lordship of Jesus Christ. In other words, we want the gifts of the Spirit. We want the power of the Holy Ghost. But we're not too sure about making Him Lord because then we got to toe the line and walk by the Bible. There's a spirit in me that says, devil, I'm not trading my vineyard of pure experience and pure Christianity for some phony imitation. Is it all right to preach just a little while here? I want me and my family to have real and authentic Christianity. I want Bridge of Hope to be a place where people look and they say there's real Christians in that church. 
I, I want me and my family to be biblical Christians. I want to know that if the great men of the New Testament, people like Paul and people like Simon Peter, who would tell you exactly what they were thinking in a heartbeat, Jude, James, go read the book of James. He'll hurt you. You read these men of God and they were real deal people. I would like to know and I would like to believe that if these men showed up here today, that they could look at my life for the next week, two weeks, month, and say that Dallas Howard, he's the real deal. That Dallas Howard, he'd be welcome in our discipleship group in the book of Acts. That Dallas Howard, he lives the right life. That Dallas Howard's reading his Bible. That Dallas Howard's praying. That Dallas Howard's living the way God said to you. I'm telling you, what this world needs is a real, authentic, real, sincere brand of Christianity. Somebody say amen. And I don't care what every other church does, and I don't care what everybody else is doing. For me and my house, I want to serve the Lord. For the church that God has blessed me to pastor, I want us to live by the Word of God. Well, but all these other churches are doing and getting away with it. Uh-uh. They just think they're getting away with it. I want to lay my head on the pillow and say, God, I did things right in your sight. Is anybody passionate about living right anymore? Does anybody still want to please God? Does anybody want to stand holy before a holy God? Devil, you can't have my vineyard. I'm not trading away my real Christianity for some cheap substitute. 1 Kings 21, 2, and he says, well, fine. Then look at the underlying part. I'll give you the price of it in money. In other words, sell it to me. Man, Satan's paying some people off. He's paying preachers off in order to quiet the real gospel message. He's paying off so that there won't be the Pentecostal message will be lost. And there's so many that have sold out to money, to popularity, to prestige, to fortune, to fame. But I want to tell you, devil, my vineyard is not for sale. Devil, you can't have my authentic Christianity because it's not for sale. You can't have my Pentecostal experience. It's not for sale. I can't be bought up by a cheap imitation. You can't have my vineyard. It's not for sale. So verse 4, what does he do? He goes back, sits on the end of the bed, and pouts. And if you read the rest of the chapter, you'll find Jezebel comes. She says, now, now, Ahab, you just settle down. I'll get the vineyard for you. I'll just kill him. Long and short, what he did, she did. Listen, Ahab was king over 10 twelfths of the land. But he was miserable because he couldn't have one little vineyard that he couldn't have. Ahab all, had all the pleasures that life could command. Anything he wanted, yet he had one little thing he couldn't have, and he got upset and didn't know how to handle it because he couldn't have everything he wanted. It's the same trick that the devil did with Adam and Eve. They, he got their eyes off all the trees that they could have. Did you know that they think now, there's, I've done some, a lot of studying on this, they think that the Garden of Eden was 1,500 miles. That's from here to Denver. From here to Denver, you can eat off any tree you want. God said just one. One tree. And all of a sudden, God was a taker. 
Listen, discontentment is a sin, if you'll put that up on the overhead for me. Discontentment is a sin that is its own punishment and makes people torment themselves. I guess we don't have it. Let me say it again. Discontentment is a sin that is its own punishment and makes people torment themselves. Paul was content in a prison. Ahab was discontent in a palace. Satan was discontent in heaven, and watch this. I know this is going to be painful, but anytime we begin to buy into discontentment in our life, we're actually aligning ourselves with the spirit of Satan. Because Satan was made the greatest angel, the worship angel. He had everything you could want. He was the worshiping angel, the lead praise and worship leader. In fact, he was the praise and worship in heaven. And guess what? It wasn't good enough. He had to have more. We've got to be careful about this because that's what undid Ahab and that's what undid Satan. The devil was discontented. We cannot be. I refuse to give up my vineyard of Pentecostal heritage. Listen, I'm concerned about my children. I'm I'm concerned about your children passing on not just the Pentecostal message, but real Pentecostal, true move of God. Somebody say amen. I don't want my children or your children to have a vague memory of what it was one day down the road. I used to speak in tongues 25 years ago. I remember one day when somebody ran the aisles. I remember when people used to come to the house of God and worship and carry on, and now you can't get them to even raise their hands. I remember a day when somebody did get slain in the spirit, but I, I vaguely remember it. Uh-uh. We need to have real Christianity, real move of the spirit. Does anybody still want to still a move of the Holy Ghost? My brother-in-law is a drummer on tour for Reba McIntyre right now, so last Friday in the snow and all the mess we went out there. Went to the concert, enjoyed ourselves, had a great time. It was wonderful. But frankly, I was appalled when Reba McIntyre came up off that thing to hear the crowd roar for her. Because it made me so mad inside. Because you know what I thought? What has she ever done for you? I wanted to get a microphone and say, stop. As wonderful a person as she is, what's she ever done for you? All she'd done is take your money. Y'all paid $600 a ticket to come here. Y'all buying all her music. Y'all making her rich. And you applaud her like she died for you. But if Jesus was the stamp on that stage, I'm not sure he'd have got the same applause. I want to tell you something. When we come into a house of God like this, nobody should have to cheerlead anybody. We ought to remember, wait a minute. Jesus Christ died on the cross so I don't have to go to hell, so I can be free of my sins, so I don't have to be in bondage. Glory to God. Hallelujah. If we can cheer next Sunday, if the Bengals win, I want to tell you what they done for us. Nothing. But I'll tell you who has. His name is Jesus. Woo! Woo! Something's wrong when God's people come in the house of God and can't find the strength or the willpower desire to worship. It's hard to preach a little while. 
Come on, Super Bowl's next Sunday. We're going to get in nitty gritty now. I'm as big an Atlanta Braves fan as you are a Bengals fan. I understand what it's like in October for my team in November to win the World Series. Great. Listen, I enjoyed it. And five minutes after the game was over, you know what I said? Well, I'm glad they won, but they ain't never done nothing for me. And I hope the Bengals win next Sunday. I'm cheering with you. But if they do, what have they done for you? But I can tell you who has done something for you. What would happen if a stadium full of people that were as fanatical about the Bengals started worshiping Jesus like that? Started worshiping and letting the Holy Ghost move like that? Come on, the same people who come in on a Sunday and just want to get the songs over and the preaching over and go home will be the same ones next Sunday that can't sit still. And when their team scores, they're going to high-five everybody around. And they're going to boogie. And they're going to shiver. And they're going to shake. And they're going to do all kinds of things. And they'll fall in the floor. And they'll hoop and holler and carry on. I want to tell you, I would like one day, maybe next Sunday, y'all come in here and go high-fiving when they say Jesus is king. And run now and shiver and shake and carry on. Why? Because he died for you. Woo! Oh, I wish somebody would take a praise break. Come on, bless the name of Jesus. He's the one that died. You say, Pastor, you gone on the deep edge. I know. I've been sick this week, so just blame it on that. I want to have, I want to have a church and a home where the power of the Holy Spirit is working. I don't want a form of godliness, but I want the real power. I want my kids and your kids and us. To come in here and regularly see the blind eye open and the deaf ear here and the blind walk and people saved and people filled with the Holy Spirit. I long to see our young people tongue talking, fire baptized, devil stomping, filled with the Holy Ghost, filled with the Word of God and living for God. I come to ask somebody, does anybody want that kind of Christianity? I'm talking about Book of Acts stuff, where the heavens are shaken, where the place where you are is shaken by the power of God, where people are shaken from their sin, and they're shaken to God. Woo, somebody say amen. Caitlin, come home from that conference at the first of the year. She said, I was just worshiping, and all of a sudden I started praying in tongues. Tell you something, folks, that's better than any football team winning. That's better than any baseball team winning. That's better than any of that other stuff. It doesn't get any better than that. I wanted to be a part of a real godly church, the kind that God intended for us to have. For their sake, for your sake, as pastor and as long as I'm able. Devil, you can't have this vineyard. It ain't for sale. Does anybody feel the way I do? 
I told you I'm going to share my heart today. And point number three, it won't be much longer. Refuse the devil's offers. First Kings 21.3, look, look what Naboth said. He said, the Lord forbid me. Forbid literally means a profane thing. Far be it from me. Why? Leviticus 25.10 says, the law of Moses forbade the sale of ancestral rights. In other words, in those days, inheritances were passed down from their fathers and fathers and fathers. Generations and generations and generations. So it was actually to depart from what your family had given you was almost like departing from life. As a matter of fact, inheritance in those days and in Israel were never seen as an individual's. It was seen as the family's. So to give that property up would have been selling out his ancestors and his descendants. Naboth said, this sounds good and all, but I can't sell out my family vineyard. Integrity, morals, character, they don't even happen until there's nobody else around. Anybody can live right when others are looking, but what do you do when no one's looking? This appalled me, but I found this poll. What are you willing to do for $10 million? Two-thirds of the Americans polled in this poll gave an answer and said one or multiple of these things they would actually do for $10 million. Now, I want you to look at this list. For $10 million, 25% of them said they would abandon their entire family. 25% would abandon their church. 23% would become prostitutes for a week or more. 16% would give up their American citizenships. 16% would leave their spouses. 10% would withhold testimony and let a murderer go free. 7% would kill a stranger. 6% would change their race, 4% would change their sex, and 3% would put their children up for adoption. Man, I'm telling you, there's something wrong in this world when people would give their kids up for adoption for any amount of money or would sell out these things and become these people that they were never designed to be for any kind of thing. Naboth not only refused a tempting offer, but remember that this king, Ahab, was a crazy, ruthless, tyrannical dictator. Yet Naboth wasn't about to budge because Naboth was driven by something other than money and all this other stuff. He was driven by morals and integrity and character and the word of God. No matter how tempting that offer is, don't sell out your, your integrity. No matter how enticing that woman is, don't sell out your godly character. No matter how tempting it is to talk bad about someone else, don't sell out your principles. Somebody say amen. Ahab couldn't understand it because he didn't have none of those values. So he couldn't understand for the life of him why he would not do this. It reminds me of the old sitcom, Family Matters, Carl. How many remember Steve Urkel? Then I do that. You remember that little nerdy kid? Well, Carl played the cop, the daddy. Pulled over this famous singer who was speeding, a big-time actor. Actor said, hey, I'll give you tickets to the show and some cash, and nobody will know if you'll just let me go. Well, prior to that, they'd set the show up where his kids wanted to go to the concert and want to go to the show, but it was sold out. Well, now he might have tickets for his family and get some money if he just lets them go with a speeding ticket. Carl says, well, 
that sounds pretty good, but I got to go home and shave. And the actor looked at him and said, what? He said, I got to go home and shave. And in order to go home and shave, I got to look myself in the mirror. And if I do what you want me to do, I'll never be able to look at myself again. I'm telling you, there needs to be some men and women in the house of God that will rise up again and say, I've got to look myself in the mirror. When I open the pages of the Bible, do I match up? Do I resemble what Christ is like? Am I a real and authentic Christian? Because there are some things more important than money. There are some things more important than power. There are some things more important than sex. There are some things more important than fame. Naboth wouldn't sell his vineyard because it was an inheritance. Well, I want to tell you, you and I have have an inheritance. Look what the Bible says in Romans right now. Romans 8 14 through 17. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Everybody shout out, I'm a child of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are God's children, and uh, now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, and co heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in His sufferings, in order that we may share in His glory. And I want to tell you, money didn't buy our inheritance, money didn't buy what we have coming. Rather, it was the precious blood of Jesus Christ and it can't be sold just shout out devil you can't have my vineyard Woo! so how do you respond I mean you're offered for a price for your vineyard from the enemy what do you do you're given an opportunity to get a job with a really nice raise and some great perks but in order for you to take this job you're going to have to do some things that Stretch the truth. You're going to have to do some things to compromise your integrity. It may not be a big fragrant, a flagrant violation of the law, but you know it's not going to set well with you. Do you sign on the dotted line? Or do you say, devil, you can't have my vineyard. My integrity is not for sale. A company comes to you and they say, we're going to pay you an extra $30,000 a year to come work for us. Oh, what that would do for the family budget. Boy, that would be so great. But then you find out two weeks out of the month, you got to be out of town. You got to be in, in, in scanty areas. You got to be and put yourself in compromising positions. Not to mention you're away from your wife and your children or your husband and your children. You're giving up your family time. You're put in a position. Do you keep your name in the hat or do you say, Devil, <laughs> my family vineyard's not for sale? I don't care how much you pay me, $100,000 a year or more. I, what means more to me is my family. I don't know. I'm just asking. This is just a question for me to throw your way. You're tempted to compromise your faith for the sake, as a church, of those who are appearing of different faiths. In the name of concepts like harmony and like tolerance and like everybody else is receiving this. Do we just give in? Do we just go with the flow and say, well, everybody else is doing it, so I guess we're going to get in line? Or do we stand up? and rise up and say, devil, you can't have my biblical vineyard. I'm sorry, but A, B, C, and D is wrong, and I will never agree to that. Exactly, Brother Jim, what happened to Jezebel? She died, the dogs ate her, and she never got buried.
Well, Pastor, I, you know, two people love each other. They should just be able to live together. I mean, God wants everybody to be happy. Yes, he does in the right confines of what he's given as parameters. Does anybody want to hear the truth anymore? Do we still care about the truth? Do we still love people enough to just pull them aside and say, hey, you know, I love you, but what you're doing is it's wrong and you're going to just going to destroy your life. Do we care enough about, about God to stand up for his character? I'm just asking. During his time as a rancher, Teddy Roosevelt and one of his cow punchers had lassoed a, a steer on his ranch, but it had run over into the neighbor's side of the ranch, crossed the boundaries as they were getting him, his neighbor, Gregor Lane. And according to the cattleman's rule, that steer belonged to Gregor Lane because they lassoed him, but it was on his property. So they got the fire ready, they got the brand ready, and right when the cowpuncher was about to do it, President Teddy Roosevelt said, hey, hey, wait a minute, that, uh, you got the wrong brand. We got, you, you, you got, do you have Gregor Lang's? He goes, no, I got yours. He said, oh, he said, well, you need to get Gregor Lang's, it's his steer. The guy said, wow, he ain't gonna know, it don't matter. President Teddy Roosevelt said, put the iron down, go back to the ranch, get your stuff, and don't ever come back because a man who will lie for me will lie to me. And that belongs to that man, not me. It's the same thing with lying. A person who will lie for you will lie to you. Integrity is always telling the truth when no one's looking. Integrity is paying for all the grapes before eating half of them in the grocery store and then only paying for half of them. Integrity is not looking at nudie magazines while you're out of town on business. Integrity is returning too much change given back to you at the store. Integrity is not posting those bad pictures or making those negative, awful remarks on social media and running down somebody. I want to tell you, devil, you can't have my vineyard. It's not for sale. 